Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and analytics and data, especially since we're at the Sloan Analytics Conference in Boston. I'm Joe Favorito, doing this not solo, but with my person to my left, Scott Rosner. Welcome, Scott. How are you doing? Good. So, Scott, who's our guest today? Our guest is my longtime former colleague at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, where he is now emeritus, but is now the CEO of the Global Sport Institute at the Arizona State University, Kent L. Shropshire, Esquire. Got a lot of titles. A lot of titles. A lot of titles. Author. And happy to be on the cusp of the show. The cusp show. We are on the cusp. We I mean, spend a lot of time. <laughs> the cusp of what? We're never sure. I wish I was there for the creation yeah. of the name, the acronym, the, the battle to get both players together. We find it all, all over the place. That's why we're in the Ivy League. We do these things on the Upper West Side. <laughs> so, Ken, welcome. Thank you. Um, so, a little bit of history for people who don't know. You guys did a radio show at one point, somewhere, in another school, somewhere else, right? Okay, but we did. For uh, for four years, we did the Wharton Sports Business Show, as it was so titled, so you can imagine where that was, on a, uh, on a channel on Sirius XM. Had a lot of fun with it. It was a good run once a week. Very highly rated. Very highly rated. <laughs> well, we, we wouldn't really know because there are no ratings on right. Sirius XM, but we assume that fewer people canceled their subscriptions uh, because of us. So you guys have now uh, moved on, Scott. Everyone who listens probably knows your background now at, uh, at Columbia. For, for better or worse. For better or worse. Um, Ken, you have such a uh, kind of a storied history in sports, Olympics, writing, uh, activism. Can you just give us like the 30-second spiel of how you got to where you are in Arizona right now? Right. If you can't keep a job, you move around a lot. That's, that's, that's it. The, <laughs> so, I mean, the short version, I was at Wharton for 31 years and was thinking about doing something else before I got too old for anybody to hire me to do anything else. And this opportunity came up uh, with Arizona State and Adidas. Basically, I negotiated the deal for Ray Anderson to be the athletic director Mm -hmm. in Arizona State, met the president of Arizona State, and as Scott knows, it's sort of a two-year-long conversation with them about what the possibilities would be. In, In the short version, now that I have 10 seconds left, because you only gave me 30, it's, uh, Time's up. <laughs> so it's a, it's a sports research institute, though. So uh, unlike uh, the great work you guys are doing, there's a lot of educational stuff there, a lot of classroom stuff. But I'm not really involved. It really is a research institute that, that uh, does research on a variety of things, from science issues to, to social issues. Um, we do deliver public programming. We have a big conference coming up at the end of this month, and then uh, we are the one education space we are in is really to think about how to educate athletes at whatever level that are transitioning out of the game. And if you think about it, everybody is transitioning out of the game mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the hotter topics today at Sloan, one is athlete activism. Uh, the other one is kind of the growth of the athlete as brand and voice. Um, in your career, you, you've had a lot of history with both. Um, how has that changed? And how is it today? How, how do you think athletes are being received today as kind of the activist brand? Well, it certainly changed. I mean, what has changed is that, that athletes are re-engaged. That, uh, and I'm not the first one. And, you know, it's, it's an old story that, um, you know, from the, the Michael Jordan moment and about 10, 15 years forward, uh, we lost activism that we all began to understand really fully in 68 and, and sort of around those times. So with 
you know, you, you could say it was either the uh, St. Louis Rams players or uh, LeBron and the Heat or uh, maybe the, the, the Lynx players that, that, that led the way uh, because of what's going on in society. And, and I think a lot of it, and we kind of make the connection of why did it start now. First, you had this great leadership by LeBron eventually saying, sort of okay, you can still get paid and, mm-hmm. and do this. But secondly, it was it was a lot like the 60s in that the, the kind of uh, social issues that were big uh, were actually impacting the players directly. Think Ali and the Vietnam War, he would have had to go to war. Think of the 68 Olympians and the racial issues they were confronted with at home, so they, they stepped up. There was also great leadership then outside of sport. So that's sort of what, what's happened now. Which, which is in, may or may not be there at this point outside of sport. Well, you know, I, I think what's, what's different is, you know, we all have to look at things differently. How does it work? So the Black Lives Matter movement is, is really big, mm-hmm. except we don't have the traditional single leader. And I think that's, that fits with the whole social media, kind of where are we in society kind of, kind of moment. So, uh, so it is interesting. You're right that, that the athletes seem to be more at the forefront. But there is a, a very strong uh, current within social media. Scott, from when you look at ownership positions now, um, and you know, obviously there's been a lot going on. And depending on when people listen to this, they'll they'll know, which we don't know today, the outcome of the, the incident with Robert Kraft now, and some of the other things that have gone on. How do, and this for both of you guys as well. From an ownership position, how do you think that fits? Do you you know, it does it actually? Into into your conversation as to these are the guys we want to bring on board, we don't want to bring on board. Um, how important is that today that, that you have either athletes that are very engaged with with things that may not go on on the field? Yeah, I mean, I think the infused into all of this is in the political moment in which we exist, and the owners, depending on the league, range from being extremely conservative. Mm-hmm kind of the historical way to think about the NFL ownership group, uh, to being younger, more progressive in in their views, not quite left-leaning, but certainly way closer to the middle. And so that really kind of has a, a major impact on, on all on the perception of all of the, the athlete issue, issues. And if you look at the NFL and how they've approached it, to give you an idea, uh, as much as people blame leadership within the league and fairly or unfairly versus the NBA, right? It's infused into that. It's easier for the leadership of the NBA, who's done a great job on this front, but it is easier for them because it's an ownership group that is more progressive and more open-minded than what we see in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken, you're out west now. You, you, actually, you spent a lot of time in your life in Los Angeles as well, but um, different perception being at Arizona State versus spending a lot of time on the East Coast from uh, how athletes and brands engage in business? Is it different when now that you're looking at it from a prism of what you're trying to do at Arizona State? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. It, it, I think it's different because I still don't know the place. Right. And it, but there's, there's certainly not... The sand everywhere, it's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly not the, the day-to-day dominance, but, but there's not... I don't know, is, is there currently... A great single player in, in that part of the country. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I think at the yeah. pro level, yeah. uh, college college level, it's you know, Larry Fitzgerald is on his way out. I mean, I think he yeah, yeah. So, so it is interesting, and, and I'm sure that no, wasn't there for Kurt Warner. I'm sure there have been moments in time mm-hmm. when it's been a lot, lot bigger than it than it is. Uh, and and I think you know the, the interesting thing, and I, I grew up with this too, 
East Coast, you, you think about all these franchises all the time. When growing up in L.A., mm -hmm. we thought about L.A. franchises and the, and the big rivalry was you know, way up the state kind of thing. So, so, it's, um, it, so it's much more, uh, yeah, it, 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 it is different. I mean, you know, you know, you're such a good question asker. Right? You've asked a question I haven't really thought about before. That's what about I do. Why it's different. <laughs> it's funny. That never happens in my house, though. He's a purpose. professional. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, for both of you guys, the education factor. There are, I mean, what is it, 325 schools now that are trying to put people into the marketplace in sports business in various places. Um, for the jobs going forward, um, for both of you, what are some of the, the key things that you look for in students, but also look for if you're on the business side, trying to hire? We, we talked about this for years. I mean, this was, um, you know, while, while we were at Warden, we couldn't emphasize enough to students the importance of making sure you know how to do something. I mean, the idea that you, you know, if you can, if you're not, a, if you put on top of that, that you can be the great sports marketer, you can, that'd be the sports administrator, that's good. But, but have the strongest management background possible, have the strongest accounting background possible. It has nothing to do with sport, and you can bring the great ideas in. So so I, so I think that's still what people look for. I think the, the idea of the, you know, the great degrees that, that you guys have, or uh, if, if you get the, you know, the great sports management degrees from one of the, the undergrad programs, that can be very valuable, but in the end, if, if you don't know something else, if you don't really have a grasp of uh, a broader substantive area, you're going to be, as you said, one of, of uh, a bunch of people who graduate yeah. from 325 different programs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think to echo Cam, the idea of having an expertise, um, something that you are a great marketer and now you're just applying it to the sports industry. You're a great, you know, you're, you're a quant. Right. Uh, and now you're applying it to the sports industry in any number of different ways. And obviously, one of the themes of this conference, but one of the things we talk about all the time, um, is you know the data-driven world. Um, and so that's one of the things that we uh, you know have we think about at, at Columbia, of course. Um, you know, the other piece that we really think about is the global nature of it. Mm -hmm. So in any given year, between 30 and 40 percent of our students in the sports management program at Columbia come from the rest of the world. Uh, they're, they're not from the United States. Um, and so some of it is bringing their global expertise and knowledge into the classroom, um, which then furthers the knowledge of everyone in that room, versus having someone you know come in um, and we're really export, exporting knowledge and kind of best practices from the U.S. sports and taking it elsewhere. So, you know, that, that is a, a really important piece of it as well. And then, you know, the, one of the major focal points um, for Ken's career has been the focus on diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. and so the, the, the short, you know, go and go to acronym, the short term, uh, you know, DNI, which is, you know, a, a big talking point now. Uh, but that's one of the things that, that we're really fortunate to have in our crop of students at, at Columbia. It's obviously a big, a big part of, of what we think about and talk about. Um, you know, but we're, you know, we, we these racial report cards and Richard Lapchick, um, you know, we looked at that last year uh, and on the race and, uh, and ethnicity front, we were, you know, we're in the A plus range for, for that which we're very proud of, but that's an ongoing, you know, that can change like that if you're not paying attention to it. 
Uh, and so then the other piece, of course, is on the gender front. Uh, and I think the industry as a whole, and I think our program is, is no different. We over-index compared to the industry, but we're still not where we want to be uh, in terms of um, making the you know the the face of the sports industry look like the face of society. Mm -hmm. uh, on the face side, um, I want to talk about professional athletes transitioning because Ken, that's a big part of what we're doing. And Scott, you had athletes, um, former professional athletes, and some current professional athletes who are interested or involved in the program. Um, athletes now going to figure out what they're going to do next. And as you said, we're always everybody's always in transition. But um, what are some of the things that you tell athletes? or talk to athletes about for when they're trying to figure out what happens when they leave the field again? Yeah, to, to me, this is, you know, pe people ask, you know, what am I doing now? What's the most important difference about where I am now and, and what I can think about in a different kind of way? And again, Scott, I've, I've talked about this. And it is the idea to help athletes transition at whatever point they're getting out of the game. And, you know, a place like um, Arizona State, uh, fortunately, it's, it's not quite the church, but it's pretty close. And if you, if you come and you present yourself, uh, there's a good chance you can find a way to get in some kind of way and begin your educational program or, or to close it out. Um, and that, that's the, the beauty and the big difference of a, a big state institution like that as, as opposed to, to an Ivy. But it, you know, and that's when I first got there. What I was really thinking about. But it turns out, um, and it's you know kind of been on our face all the time. And didn't really think about it this way. You know, the degree completion is almost the least important part of, of helping the men and women that devote their whole lives to being successful in sport. And then all of a sudden, they begin a journey that all of us star athletes that we were, were able to begin very early in life. And we were able to think about, you know, sure, we all thought we were going to be pro football players, whatever else. We also I had think about that today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I actually think I have a shot. Yeah. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah. So it's still there. Wide left. Wide, Wide left. left. <laughs> but to, to be, uh, you know, to be a fireman or to be a lawyer, all, you know, we think through all this, and we change and start careers. And uh, But these guys, here you are at, you know, 25, 26. You, you finally are forced to start thinking about it, and and, I, and it, it is pretty universal. I mean, as much as I talk talk to these guys, that they haven't really taken time to think about it, unless they were kind of a late bloomer or something else happened in their life that allowed them to have a, a moment to do it. So, one of the things I think all our institutions can do is think about how do you provide more of that kind of counseling? How do you really focus on the word transition as opposed to the degree completion education piece of it? So. We're actually trying to do, and love to do some Columbia, some more research on, on that. What What is it that really works for these guys? How do you have the conversations? What kinds of, of sessions, meetings, programming would be the right type that are out there? It really is the case, and we, you know, we've all worked with all these different leagues, that there's just a scattering of stuff, and nobody's really stepped back to say, what what really works and, and how do you do this? Well, and no one knows, right? right? So I mean, we hear you know all these different uh, stories, but it's all anecdotal, right? Mm -hmm. There's been no, as far as we know, uh, really data driven look into the transition points for professional athletes. Uh, and so until you have that, it's really, you know, you're just taking scattershot and throwing stuff against the wall and you can see what sticks. Yeah. And it's just to be one, one piece, and I, I know there's, you know, one commercial operation that, that has this and a lot of people use, you know, kind of what color is your parachute kind yeah. of stuff generic. 
but nobody's really, and not that a test is going to be the be-all and end-all, but it'd be, it'd be a great starting point to have an instrument that allows you to, to kind of intervene at different points, and then you got to add on to it. You know, so this tells you, you, you know, you should be a... Uh, uh, regional manager at Home Depot at some point. So how, you know, how do you get there? There was from a test like that you took in high school. <laughs> they told you like I, I can't remember what it was. But called. we paid attention. Our to students it, right? still take some of those tests. I mean, we, people still still go through it. They told me I was going to be a forest ranger, so that was like the, yeah. the least. Possible. <laughs> but I, it, it, you couldn't find a job that I'm less suited right. to than forest ranger. This is because you had a, a animosity towards Yogi Yogi Bear. I, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, but like, I, it, yeah, maybe like some I, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> ranger Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe I like picnic baskets. I have no idea. Um, interesting. I guess, I guess it's interesting. I'm not really sure. Um, you mentioned That's why Joe didn't come on show. Yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the tides have been turned. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, you mentioned male athletes. Have you seen it's different for female athletes? Are female athletes more, especially ones who've gone through, whether it's an Olympic experience or the WNBA, is it better, harder, easier for them to make the transition? Have you talked to any female athletes about it? So we, we have talked a great deal to the WNBA, and, and they, I mean, their story is different. And they, they have a higher percentage of women that, that have graduated, it's got to skip the signal, less money, but they've also got that, that terrible schedule that they play here, that they play overseas. So they are more inclined to kind of know what they've been thinking about, what they want to do. And they, they've known forever that even if I make it, this is not going to be a forever kind of revenue stream. Um, so, and for them, the online path has been one that's, that's worked well for a number of them. But, but it, it's still, you know, we're still in the uh, uh, first or second grade in trying to figure out what's really the right way to handle it. Mm -hmm. um, another aspect of that, which I think is interesting, and Scott, we haven't really talked about this, is, you know, the, the mental aspect, the meaning, the mental anguish and the challenges that athletes are now admitting that they're going through. And, and a block from Columbia, I'll never forget, last summer I walked by the, the anthem with Michael Phelps at Houston and doing and there's a film that's being put together on it. Um, you've seen it on both levels, and you guys, there was, a, there was some terrible things that happened with athletes at Penn. Um, um, how is that factoring into like their decisions and now that it's okay to start talking about things? Um, and does that factor into kind of their transition from a mental standpoint as well as kind of like what they want to do physically? I'll tell you, a, a great thing that, that, again, I've been able to begin to be involved in, I still don't have enough information to speak uh, uh, really intelligently about it, is for years there, there's been studies with the military and that, that whole idea of, of loss of purpose. Mm -hmm. And you can think about the tragic things that happen since that a lot of people once they leave the military. So, so they don't really have the answer either, but they've been studying it much longer. So we're actually uh, trying to do some work and see where they are. And, and is there something more that can be applied from uh, our understanding of the military to to the same thing as men and women, this, this single purpose, and then all of a sudden you're done. And you, wake, you, you wake up and, you, and, you, and you, you have, you know, my goal was to win on Sundays, uh, and that's not there anymore. Well, and you're seeing it actually in real time right now with Lindsey Vaughn. And she's been very open about her comments, and you know she just retired. And this is, you know, at the moment we're in now, this is less than two weeks old. Uh, and talking about uh, this just in the last day or two, that it's to paraphrase, it's strange to wake up without a purpose. Mm -hmm. And she's optimistic, and I'm sure she will figure it out. 
But when you've spent literally your entire life, in her case, trying to figure out the fastest way to get down a hill, right? Um, and now that's that's gone. Um, you, it's it's important, I think, to be aware of specifically the psychological issues. I think increasingly there is a much greater willingness for the athlete to talk about it. Um, I think it's we're still not to the point where we hope to be in terms of acceptance of it. Um, but my hope is that that comes in, in time, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, it's, and the stigma attached to uh, you know, mental illness and, and all the associated things that come with that uh, will, will go away. Mm -hmm. I, I think you were in the room when uh, we had a session at Wharton and we had uh, uh, a number of players, active and, and, and former, and we had a, a former player got up and just retired not too long before. And he's to have this conversation. What's it like to to make this transition? And the first thing he said was, "Well, the first thing I did was sit and watch TV for six months." Hmm. I mean, and, and he was very serious. Mm -hmm. That and, and you could. And fortunately, he wasn't a guy who you know, self medicated and did anything else. He literally just sat and he watched TV, watched TV yeah. for six months, trying to fig figure that, it out. That's what Netflix. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pre Netflix. Yeah, pre Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So, so it is. It is something that. You know, the, uh, no hate on the entities, the, the, the leagues, but it is something that has not been focused on enough by the right people. So I think it's educational institution talk about 325. And what kinds of stuff can we do that's uh, beyond just the, the educational stuff for the students? I mean, that certainly fits in there. I think so. I mean, you know, one of the challenges that we've seen, so we you know, at, at Wharton had the, uh, we're part of the NFL career transition program for a very long time. One of the challenges with that is that the group that comes to you is self-selected, right? So you don't get access to everyone. So you're getting, in other words, the students who are the players, the men who are enrolling in the programs, are those who have to have already had their college degree, but they're the ones who are really thinking about this. So it was extremely helpful to that group. Um, but how do you do it to the wider audience that may not be as, you know, I, I guess aware of the pending issues? And you can talk about rookie orientations and things like that. Never too early to start thinking about the next step. But you know, players aren't thinking about that. Um, they're, you know, they're they're thinking about success um, and and their journey, not the end of their journey. Um, as you look at athletes now, and Ken, you mentioned LeBron, um, athletes either, either in their career or just finished their careers and have gone on to do some amazing things. Are there some that stand out to both of you guys, uh, guys or women that you're looking at saying, these are the models that we need to make sure that they happen more often? Well, I mean, I think that the, the one that we all think of immediately is Magic Johnson, right? So, uh, you know, and Magic... Uh, very smart guy and surrounded himself with really smart people mm -hmm. um, and figured out uh, you know how to how to make it all work so that's the one everyone points to and obviously now the, the next model is is LeBron and in, in the interim you've got Michael Jordan right um, so but it wasn't that long ago that you know Ken was 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 writing a book and uh, on, on the seminal book on race and sports in, in mm -hmm. black and white uh, and then there's been Sport Matters, a, a sequel to that, um, so to speak. And 
but the conversation on the first version was the athletes aren't earning enough money to get into ownership ranks. And that has changed at the very, very top end. You're still not talking about a, a large number, um, but it has it has changed. And I think that guy, Junior Bridgman. Yep. Yeah. Kentucky okay. Fried Chicken. Right? That's really all the franchises. Yeah, yeah, Wendy's. Yeah, yeah Wendy's. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and it's, it, it's more, I think we should think of more men and women like that that are maybe he made a decent amount of money for his day. Right. Uh, he, had, he had a pretty long career, too. So it is it is the guys that, that have, you know, the average in the leagues, you know, three and a half or four years in the NBA and NFL, um, that, that we should be more concerned about. I mean, you know, the guys that have the, the long career and, and made the, the millions, it is, you know, did you choose the right path? One of, one of the other things, and we were talking about you know, the kind of what cards you parachute for athletes, is there's a lot of pressure on them to be an entrepreneur. I mean, everybody's, right. you know, in the old days, it was, you know, Mickey Mantle, all those characters working in an off-season at a car dealership or a, a sporting goods store, that sort of thing. So they, they had a job. It was okay to have a nine-to-five job. For these guys, it's, it, it's culture negative to have a regular job. So I was just joking about the you know, regional manager at Home Depot, but that's, you know, if I'm 30 years old, maybe that's not a bad path to, to think about. You know, I like, you know, working with people, I like, you know, I make some decent money, and it's a Is that your next job. step? I, yeah, I keep bringing it up. Maybe low, 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 low. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a target Walmart kind yeah, of dilemma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in the, the last couple no of more questions. Readers, though. <laughs> no, no more readers, though. No more readers. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, that's you just know, had a birthday. You're not, you're not, what am I going to do? You're just saying, like, you're almost eligible. All right. <laughs> you guys want to keep going on that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken, one of the things we like to ask people, and you touched on kind of the, the career advice, um, you, you're involved in so many different things. Um, how do you stay constant with everything that's going on? Who are people you read, you follow? Um, who, who else should you be passing on? Say these are some of the people. If you want to get involved, whether it's in sports business, branding, marketing, sales, here are some of the people and some of the places you should go for, for information. Yeah, it, it's it, it's. I don't know if I have a great answer because I don't think I think I'm still trying to evolve like mm-hmm. everybody else with the, you know, especially with with, with Twitter kind of getting more scattered and less focused and jumping around than than traditionally did. I mean. As Scott knows, I, I would read a bunch of sports sections, a bunch of business sections. When you had to get the hard copies of the papers, and even when you first got things online, um, now I have I have no system. I know Scott still prints out the sports business daily. Yes, he does, and, and puts underlines. Underlines, <laughs> yeah. He he is uh, killing the environment. Yeah. That's a whole another mm-hmm. another story to deal he with. Just outed me. <laughs> Now I'm going to get hate mail, and, and then he faxes more than I get. But I, I do think the uh, <laughs> I do think as you as you meet people, and this this is you know got to be careful about how to say this because I want to encourage undue contact with folks. I do think as you meet people, you do find out what they're interested in, what they know about, and how to stay in touch with them and engage with them on the, on those different topics. The you know we just uh, we're in here and. Scott O'Neill was on stage, and, and we know Scott's and he was, you know, doing ticket Junior sales guy at the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles, right. And he said something about uh, uh, diversity and inclusion that I think was wrong. And so I texted him at that moment. So I'm sure we will have a conversation about it later on. But that, that kind of keeps you to have enough friends where you can stay current mm-hmm. and have the conversations about it. And I can't tell you how you know, Scott and I will 
debate about something and, mm-hmm. and agree to disagree. But that, that too is a different path. So I think it's, it's, sort, it's sort of like we were saying with uh, how do you become the best person in, in sports? You, you get some expertise in something and you make sure you can apply it to sport. But, but it is to do that day-to-day reading of as much stuff as you get your hands on, get a better system than me, maybe use Scott's, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but then engage with people about it. And the, and the classroom, I mean, you know, the advantage yeah, of the classroom makes a huge difference. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, and mine is highlighters. You use highlighters? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I, I actually. He inhales. Color, 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 color pants. <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I am an inveterate clipper, I will certainly say that. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll highlight something and I hand it to our faculty, right? Um, you know, which is the, the point for me that's been really helpful, um, you know, with the other full-time faculty, with our adjuncts um, that we have at, at Columbia, you know, got over 30 people, um, and then you figure in everyone in the, in, the, in the group, it's, you know, you're talking close to 40 who have an expertise in something. So if I don't understand it, or don't know as much, or kind of want a separate viewpoint, I can talk to them about it. Um, and again, it helps inform what what I ultimately come to the conclusion on, what I decide and what I think. But oftentimes, it, it's a point of, well, I'm not sure I agree. Like I may not be the expert in that, but I, I disagree with it. It doesn't mean that I'm right. It usually means that I'm wrong. Um, but you know, it's certainly um, you know just the the you know the, the benefit of, of being in a, uh, in a in an academic environment is you can you can have those conversations um, you know fairly readily. We we look at it. We were having a conversation uh, last night at an event that, that, that we were at related to this conference and. I'm Switzerland, right? I have, I, you know, I, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can as a neutral party, and you know, I think there's again when you've done this for a long enough time, um, you know, and, and you kind of go about your business and what you think is is the right way, when other people I think is think is the right way, people are willing to share their thoughts on it and kind of treat you as, as hey, yeah, you're, you're the neutral party and the sounding board for it. It's a so, good marriage. Seriously, it is. I'm not joking around. No, no, no it, is. it is. In many ways, marriage, marriage counseling too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's another, it's another topic we haven't covered. It's, 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 it's give and take. You guys are kind of like separated too now. Oh, <laughs> man, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's been uh, like tra- trying to track this guy down. I never know what time to call because he's in a different place all over the world at any given moment. Where are you? You know, you know call at like six in the morning. And Arizona has an odd time. Yep. Time. Yeah, I don't know. We're two hours. Yeah, yeah, it's two hours. Yeah, so. It'll be three in a month. Right, it's like on and off, and I, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> Lots of taste. It's weird. Yeah. Um, Ken, speaking of um, where you are now, how can people find out more about the program and what you're doing now? Um, well, follow us. Scott's going too far. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I should all these. Uh, so, Global Sport Matters is the, is the publication. It's a, actually a daily publication. Um, so you can Google Global Sport Matters and uh, sign up, and, and you know what what that tries to do is push out the kind of research I was talking about earlier. The the Global Sport Institute itself, you can can find that as well. Um, Talk slowly, but the sky is looking it up. Yeah, so yeah, so is this well, well, their Twitter is at Global Sport ASU. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. There you go. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And then there's Global Sport MTRS is the is the publication. 
But and you can find us all on, on, online at globalsport.asu.edu. How about that? Anything else? No? That's pretty How much do I have to pay for that? <laughs> a whole lot, yeah. It isn't over yet. Anyway, um, so Ken Shropshire, head of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University, author, activist, um, really one of the bright lights in our business. Thanks for joining us on the Cusp Show. And Scott, you know, our, our second uh, foray into podcasting at the MIT Sloan Conference here in Boston has gone pretty well. Absolutely. Fun doing it. Once again, this is the Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito along with Scott Rosner. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you down the line.